providing real solutions for real business challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, Season 4. Conversations with professionals across the country, exploring business topics and empowering personal growth in real estate, financial services, and the title insurance industry. Thanks, everyone, for joining us here today for another edition of FNF Unplugged. Really happy to have with us here today a very old friend, Joe Petrelli. Now, when I say very old, only because we've known each other a long time. Joe is not very old. But uh, all that being said, uh, we've worked here as uh, fellow Ohioans for uh, some time in the title industry. Joe is the president and co-founder of Demotech which uh, for those of you who do not know what Demotech is, which would be hard to believe since they are entering their 39th year, they provide financial analysis and ratings across all lines of uh, the insurance industry. So not just title insurance, but uh, property and casualty insurance, life and health insurance. Joe has testified numerous times in front of uh, state legislative committees and uh, congressional legislative committees on the issue of insurance and the financial analysis and stability of the industry. So, Joe, thanks so much for joining us here today. My pleasure to be here, Chuck. We always ask our guests uh, one opening question. You know, how did you get in this business? Because I don't think you told your kindergarten teacher that when you grew up, you really wanted to do financial analysis and guidance for the insurance industry. No, you know, actually, I got to be honest with you. This is one of my favorite questions that I'm rarely asked, so thank you. We're going back to the 60s. I'm graduating high school, getting ready to go to college. It was not an internet, but Reader's Digest published this book, and I wish I still had it, but it's a, a black cover on the top side, and then if you flipped it, it had an orange color on the back side, and it opened the opposite way. And what it was, was the black side was all the colleges in New York State and within college, the majors that they offered. And if you open it the orange way, it was all the majors offered in New York State and within major, the colleges that offered them. And uh, I went to the College of Insurance and it was a fascinating ride. And here we are today. Well, that's certainly an interesting place to start because uh, our industry, people come from such varied backgrounds. And, and, you know, and again, here today, title and settlement is what most of our listeners uh, are engaged in, but certainly not all by any stretch of the imagination. And and you and I have had some conversations and there's been much discussion uh, here uh, recently about the current crisis in the property and casualty insurance uh, industry and the cost of PNC insurance, the availability of PNC insurance. We've seen some insurers pull out of select states. I think the Hartford was one of the most recent ones to pull out of California. That's a big blow because they insure an awful lot of high dollar properties. And rates have as much as quintupled in other states, Louisiana being one that uh, comes to mind. What's behind this problem? And is this just a problem here in the United States? Let me just give an amen to what you said about the title industry and the PNC industry, because I think as we sit here today, we're looking at you know interest rates that might be reasonable in the long run, but they're certainly appreciably higher than they were a little bit ago. And so the fact that what interest rates have gone up as much as they have, and we're talking about the PNC 
premium messing up closings and stopping things, I think that in itself says something about what's going on in the property casualty business. It's not interest rates that are hurting home sales, uh, but it's interest rates and property and casualty premiums. Let me give you a, a multifaceted answer as to what's driving up rates. And this is similar to the discussion I had on November 2nd, when I had the opportunity to testify for the U.S. Subcommittee on Housing and Finance and into their investigation into the availability and affordability of insurance crisis. One of the problems we have in the property casualty industry, and perhaps even you see this even if you don't have a claim, we don't have enough tradespeople. Everybody's been going to college for the last 20, 25 years. And so the person that is an expert hanging drywall or painting or putting in a floor, they're retiring and it's the graying of the tradespeople. And so I think that's certainly one issue. The cost of goods to fix a home, whether it's the you know, slate for a roof or tar paper or carpeting, those products are costing more. The other thing that is, I think, definitely problematic is there is a business model. We call it tech-enabled claim instigation. And in March of 2022, Demotech pioneered research into insurance company failures. These companies failed. We followed these companies. We we're talking to them monthly. We'd been following these companies for 20 years. And all of a sudden, they are litigated to death. And what was discovered through our research, which was done by Todd Kazakowski, who's a 25-year data scientist, artificial intelligence, an analytics guy. He grew up with the internet. What Todd discovered was it started in Florida. It spread to Louisiana. Catastrophe-prone states were such that there were opportunists using search engine optimization to divert searches intended for a company, an insurance company, to a third-party website, whether it was a consolidating website that was going to sell names or whether it was a public adjuster's website or whether it was a plaintiff's attorney law firm's site where they wanted to instigate a claim where there might not have been a claim. And so this, what we call tech-enabled claim instigation, it's a business model that's been in place for probably 10 or 12 years. We were the first to discover it. And so I think this is a complicating factor is because we now not only have supply shortages, talent shortages, we now have even more litigated claims. And the insurance industry is coast to coast being hit hard. As to your question, is it the United States only? Is it everywhere? Regrettably, it's everywhere. This is an evolving situation with tech-enabled claim instigation. Todd Kazakowski literally this week discovered that American law firms are opening offices in Europe for the purpose of litigating European insurance companies. Well, you know, that universal problem, and you and I have talked about the reinsurers and how the reinsurers just aren't so crazy about the property and casualty uh, industry anymore. I read something, I think it was in Financial Times, 
that uh, it was someone from, I want to say from Swiss Re, he was talking about property and casualty losses in Europe, where they have had major floods, major fires. And uh, his comment was, he said, you know, it's one thing to have to rebuild a community that's 40 years old. But when you have to rebuild a community that's a thousand years old, it costs a lot more money and it takes a lot more time. And those reinsurers, I mean, they really aren't so uh, crazy about uh, the property and casualty industry as they were once, are they? I think in general that that's true. I will also say this, and I've been in the property and casualty insurance industry for a very long time. Any given point in time, and I mean this sincerely, I mean, there's a lot of smart people in the insurance industry. The reinsurance companies are usually the smartest people in the room. They're doing their research. They've looked at all sorts of seed-in companies that they have. They've seen all sorts of situations. They're much more focused on financial modeling in the economic sense of, of a model. And like you said, they face disasters around the globe. So they're very familiar with that. I think where we're at now, I would say reinsurance pricing from what I hear is pretty much stabilized. And so, yes, there were some big jumps in price. Some people have suggested they've doubled in the last three years, the cost of reinsurance. So we've reached a point where now we're going to be passing on, if you will, the reinsurers will be passing on whatever the inflationary rate is. The insurance companies that write policies and then seed to reinsurers, they have to control the costs that are being passed on to the reinsurers to protect both consumers and themselves from the big rate increases. And what that means is if an insurance company can settle a claim that is not litigated, that will be less expensive than settling a claim that's litigated. So we have to make sure that companies, insurance companies are aware that there are online opportunists seeking to generate contested claims where there may be none had the consumer not been misdirected. Well, that all sounds like added alarm to what is this problem. And I have spoken to title agents here recently who have discussed the fact that three to four days in advance of closing, the problem is not in financing, it's not in inspections, it's that suddenly the buyer can't afford property and casualty insurance. And I've heard from so many commercial property owners in particular that where they can, they are, quote, self-insuring, which generally means they don't have any insurance at all. They're just putting money away for that uh, horrifically rainy day. Hearing this particularly in the coastal states, as to cost and availability, what do you think the impact of this is, though? I mean, when we do have a climate-related crisis that uh, hits a hurricane, and now I guess the Weather Bureau is uh, suggesting we may have a more active hurricane season than they initially had planned, where is that headed as to cost and availability, particularly when you get into commercial properties? Yeah, let's bifurcate it for a minute. Let's talk about the commercial properties first. And usually, I think in the title industry, we use what, one to four family and greater than that. And, and we call that commercial. We're talking about some commercial complexes that are well beyond a duplex or an apartment complex. I mean, we're talking about half a billion dollar complexes. We're looking at some of the 
oil and gas equipment that is out there has to be insured. You know, that's a commercial item as well. It's out in the Gulf and it's exposed to these things. So you have this commercial side of things. And if we get to the point where the insurance costs are shutting down projects that are needed or are shutting down the development of housing that people need to live in, I mean, we've reached a point that's, you know, all but sublime. And so the idea of controlling those costs becomes everybody's problem, not just the entity that's going to build the complex. I think on the commercial side, one of the problems we've seen, and again, this is somewhat anecdotal, but there's a variety of reports out there. One of the problems that you see is that there are, again, limitations on the number of firms that can build those types of projects that have the expertise to go in there. So again, we're running into human resource costs that are impacting the cost of insurance as well. It really is a fascinating situation. On the consumer side, I'm a firm believer in, you can talk about self-insuring and you can talk about going bare. Most people interchange those two terms. Going bare and not buying insurance is not the answer. Well, to that point, I read recently a statistic, Fort Myers Beach was of course one of the communities hardest hit by the uh, Gulf hurricane that uh, hit here recently, and that almost a quarter of the properties have not been rebuilt or are not going to be rebuilt because so many people own those properties outright. They weren't required to maintain homeowners insurance. A lot of them were retirees. A lot of them were, uh, in terms of uh, Gulf Coastal properties, lower dollar properties as far as their value. Some of these communities get hit. It's a real problem, isn't it? It's uh, because um, if people are going without insurance, then there's no one to help the rebuilding. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I ask people when people, and I try not to tell people I'm in the insurance business because it's it's a conversation stopper, right? Uh, (laughs) But when I talk to people, they say, oh my God, my house insurance is so expensive. My car insurance is so expensive. What I usually say to them is I'm sympathetic to that, but the reality is, if you can't afford your premium, how can you afford to rebuild your home or to repair your auto? And so I get it, but I think this idea of it's the insurance company and I'm going to teach them a lesson by not buying their policy. I think when I was a kid, my mom used to say, what, bite off your nose to spite your face. And so I think going bare is rarely the answer. I don't know what the government response, and when I say that, whether it's the state or the federal government, if there's a way to help people procure insurance. I remember 2017, Irma, Maria, and Harvey all struck Puerto Rico. And I think the insurance commissioner at the time, he did a study and like 25% of the people had insurance. 75, 80% did not have insurance. And, you know, I mean, they got hit with three major storms. And so the idea of going bare, there's a part of me that says, I think there may be a role for the government to say, okay, you can't afford insurance. I'm going to buy $10,000 worth of insurance for you because it's cheaper for me to do that as a government than it is to let you sit there or inhabit a structure that's not safe and sound. We raised that point. 
Insurance, uh, as you only too painfully know, and those of us in the title insurance industry know, is regulated by the states. And recently at an MBA conference, uh, MBA President Bob Brokesmith asked a panel made up of representatives from Fannie, Freddie, Jenny, VA, FHA, the USDA, and the CFPB. And there had been a discussion about a host of topics before that and what programs uh, did these various entities have to uh, assist in home affordability and to increase home ownership? And they all had something to add to the conversation. And then when Bob got to the question about the fact that mortgage lenders see the cost and availability of property and casualty insurance as one of the greatest threats to home affordability, all of them answered with the same response, it's not a federal issue. What can or are the states doing to address this? Can they truly solve it? And Gee whiz, it sounds like it's a federal problem if it's not a federal issue. I'm sympathetic to the cost issue and the availability issue, whether it's a state or a national or a federal issue. I'm an actuary. I'm not an attorney or a legal scholar. That being said, I think at the end of the day, even the state's hands are tied because reinsurance is not regulated by the states. So you have a small company that writes in a catastrophe prone area, they are going to be heavily dependent on reinsurance to protect their surplus, to protect their promise to pay, and they're going to pay more dearly for it now than they did 10 years ago. And so the state will be in a position where the company presents its rate structure to the state and says, here's my rates, oh, by the way, 80% of my rate increase or the majority of my rate increase is due to my increase in cost of reinsurance because I keep so little and I seed off so much. So the state's hands are tied when it comes to the reinsurance piece of it. The state's hands are tied when it comes to the wind or the water or the hail exposures or wildfire exposure. So whatever it might be, because you don't necessarily want the state to get into the insurance business by saying, all right, the bad part is in Florida, it's wind, we're going to take all the wind. Or in California, it's wildfire, we're going to take all the wildfire. In Colorado, it's flood, so we're going to take all the flood. It really is a delicate balance. I think we have, and again, to your point about the feds, I mean, we have a national flood program, and the feds got into that because it wasn't being addressed at the local level. So where does the federal government end and the states begin? I think that's certainly for uh, people uh, well above my pay grade to figure out. Well, and you raise flood insurance uh, as an issue. And of course, we've seen that uh, national flood insurance program get battered around uh, sometimes politically. And uh, it's interesting to see there because usually it's across party lines. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, if you uh, represent people in an area where there's going to be flooding, you tend to be in favor of the National Flood Insurance Program. And if you're someplace where it's not so much of an issue, you don't seem to be as crazy about it. But we have that added cost now, don't we? I mean, if somebody has the requirement of flood insurance, we see these 15% jumps that the current legislation can allow in these various marketplaces. So It's not just PNC insurance uh, in a lot of these places. It's PNC plus the flood insurance increases, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. I think, I'm not 100% positive, whether or not a lender, whether it's a servicer or a seller of Fannie or Freddie or another third party, whether or not the lender enforces the requirement to buy flood or not 
is, I think, a little bit more localized and individualized than if everybody had to do it. Yes, the flood insurance issue right now is a big one. And I think the other thing that we run into is there's a difference between flooding and water driven by wind. So when you have a hurricane, yes, there can be flooding, but there can also be water driven by wind. And one of the advantages of having both a flood policy and a homeowner's policy is at the end of the day, it won't matter which it is. Whereas there's a lot of litigation associated. If somebody does not buy flood insurance, they're certainly going to want to say that the water that destroyed their home was driven by wind. And so now you get into a legal battle as opposed to a coverage battle. Well, and I think anybody who lived through Katrina in New Orleans can tell you about those legal battles because Uh that was a major issue in New Orleans. Was it caused by water? Was it caused by wind or some combination thereof? And therefore, uh, who's going to be holding that bag in regard to paying those claims as it moves forward? This is such a critical topic. And again, the mortgage bankers are painfully aware of this. I think, uh, again, we hear more title and settlement agents being told that, well, we can't close the transaction because uh, the borrowers, especially in regard to some you know, FHA and uh, VA borrowers who don't have a lot of money and are not putting huge amounts of money down, it's allowable under the programs. And then suddenly realizing that the property and casualty insurance, the first year's premium is going to cost three times as much as they thought it was going to cost. And they just don't have the cash yeah. uh, to be able to come with this. We get sensitized to that. I mean, we work with insurance companies and we review and rate insurance companies based on our criteria, but we get calls time to time from consumers. And I'll never forget, late last year, I had a call from a woman. She said she had a fairly simple $400,000 house. Coverage A was, you know, $400,000. And she said her premium went from $2,300 a year to $11,000. And she was talking and complaining about the company that had done that to her. And I said, I'm an actuary, you know, I get numbers, but I said, please call your company and make sure that wasn't a mistake. Because, I mean, here's a person with a $400,000 house that was going to pay five digits for her homeowner's insurance. And it just struck me as, I mean, I, I don't know how you handle that. This woman, she was in her 70s and you know, not working, so fixed income and all the things you hear. So I get it. I understand the issues. Like I say, this new element of the availability and affordability issue, the tech-enabled claim instigation, it's basically creating contested claims where that may not have been the insured's intent. The insured's intent might have been go online find their insurance company, report a claim, and somehow they were redirected and didn't realize they were retaining counsel to do it. And then of course you get counsel that will be online and find, you know, if I if I got $25,000 for this guy and you live across the street, let me get $25,000 for you. The contested claims are problematic to the cost of insurance countrywide and Again, it's a factor that exists today. It's a business model and it's out there. It's been out there. And you know, the regulators were doing what we can at Demotech and Todd Kazakowski had forewarned to bring it to the attention of anybody who'll listen. Well, Joe, I think that's hugely helpful. And uh, once again, it's, uh, and I say this, of course, as a member of the bar, yeah, attorneys using technology, always a dangerous thing. 
Um, um, so, in fact, I've just figured out how my toaster works, and I spent about 20 minutes last night trying to figure out how to stream something on Netflix. But all this being said, I, you know, I really appreciate your time today. You know, and I think this is something we're going to probably come back to here uh, before year's end and see where we are and see if things have improved in regard to the cost and availability of uh, property and casualty insurance throughout the United States. And as you and I have talked about and talked about coastal areas, flood areas, I think uh, quite often people talk about the National Flood Insurance Program, they don't realize that actually, uh, as I once read, I don't think in terms of dollars, you would know this, but in terms of the number of insured, more of them are in the heartland of the country than on the coasts. They're in the river valleys, uh, you know, Cincinnati here, where I am in the Ohio River Valley, or say in Columbus, where you are with Scioto Valley. And I, and you and I remember a few years ago, the town of Finley, Ohio, had a huge flood where they had never had a flood before on what is a relatively small river, but it took out a big piece of their downtown. So these issues keep coming forward. But I think, you know, what you have raised here as far as you know, the back end cost of these and where this is going. I think this has been hugely critical and helpful. So thank you so much for spending your time here today. My pleasure. And, uh, you know, just in the, for what it's worth category, most of the reinsurance renewals are January 1st and July 1st. So maybe sometime after July, we can reconvene and see how the reinsurance renewal season went for the property casualty industry. That sounds great to me. And uh, one can only hope that it's uh, that overall it has improved. So again, Joe, thanks so much for joining us here today. Thanks to everyone for listening here in another installment of FNF Unplugged. We hope you find this uh, useful, rewarding information. And uh, again, hope you have a great and profitable day. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. All rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or any endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed in this podcast.